Welcome to Take It From The Iron Woman. My name is Susanne Müller, your host and the Iron Woman. This podcast is about empowering yourself and others to make real changes in the world. You will hear from everyday, smart, sophisticated, hip people like you and me. Not everybody has to be an Iron Woman to impress the world. Together, we will learn from the sports and business leaders how you can become a more successful person as an entrepreneur or a leader. It's one step at a time, one day at a time. Take your steps now. Take your big steps now. Join me on this journey to success. Take it from the Ein Woman. Today we have a real special guest, Agnes Hirschi. I'm very honored to have Agnes here on our show. She will share her story, how she and her mother and Karl Lutz survived two months in the bomb shelter in Budapest during World War II. What's happening in your world today? Today is <laughs> the virus which dominates my everyday program. I had several events for March planned. And yesterday I had the last speech in a school. And now the schools are closed, all schools, universities. And uh, the next three events, which were supposed to be in March, I won't have them, of course. They are all canceled. That's amazing. I it's think like it's wartime. Well, actually, I just wanted to say this is very timely that we speak with Agnes. So maybe Agnes, tell us your story. How how was it when when you were born? And I know you were in Hungary in the Second World War. So tell us a little bit about your story, and then we'll ask the question: What can we learn from you today? But we want to start at the beginning. Uh, I think I have to start with my birth, with yeah. my family. I, my parents were Hungarian Jews, and my father was a very wealthy man. We had a beautiful apartment near the parliament. We had a maid, and we had everything we could afford. Everything my parents did, made journeys and everything. Then, of course, my father, who was a merchant and who had his own business, he was thinking of emigrating to the to Great Britain, and many of his uh, colleagues did. When he saw the, the restrictions, when he saw the development with Hitler, he decided to emigrate. But he had his money in his office. He couldn't get, get it out. Anyway, he was an optimist. But, so he thought he will send my mother to London. So I will be a British subject, and that might be a, a, an advantage. And it, it, he was right. My mother was pregnant in the eight months. She started to go to, to London, accompanied by a Hungarian doctor. And then uh, my father came a little later, 10 days before my birth, and I was born there. And I had a British birth certificate, which said uh, that uh, I'm Elizabeth Argy. Gross, my religion was Anglican. Ah. 
And then he couldn't decide to stay in London. He was too optimistic. He thought things will never get so bad as they do in other countries, what happens to the Jews in other countries. So after a month after my birth, they went back to Hungary. And then in the first years, that was, I was born in 38, a few months later, the World War broke, two broke out. But in Hungary, in the beginning, you didn't feel so much mm. of the war, because Hungary was the last country which was uh, in March, on March 1944 only. So before that, life went on, and Karl was, yeah. Yeah, you want my story or the story of Karl Lutz? That's the question. <laughs> we want your story, but obviously... Oh, sorry, I start with Karl Lutz, actually. Karl Lutz was born 1895 in Walzenhausen. He was the second youngest of 10 children. Father had a court, and his mother was a wonderful woman, also a Sunday school teacher. The family was very religious, and... She helped also poor people, although they were poor themselves. And she became very soon a widow with mm. all the ten children. This, the mother was the big role model, probably, of Carlutz because she was such a fantastic woman. As they were poor, Carlutz finished his, his apprenticeship in St. Margreten with a textile factory. He decided to emigrate to the United States. Mm -hmm. He had no money, he didn't speak English, and he had no contacts. That was very courageous to do that. He might have a chance there to get, get his studies and uh, to become somebody. He really wanted to achieve something. So uh, first, he had, when he arrived in the States, he had to work hard physically in a factory for five years in Granite City. And then uh, he, had, he earned money for his studies, Central Wesleyan College, where he tried to become a Methodist priest. Hmm. But he thought that uh, he was too shy and he couldn't talk to people and he was afraid he, he couldn't become a priest. So, <laughs> So then the next station in his life was George Washington. After the college, he went to George Washington University mm. in Washington, D.C. Going to the university, he all started to work for the Swiss legation in Washington oh, yeah. in the consular department. Mm -hmm. And he, he did a very good job. So they employed, after one or two years, they employed him. Really, it was first he was just some, it was a summer job for him. And then they employed him, and the next, he was even transferred to St. Louis and Philadelphia to the consulate. So it seems like hard work is paying off. Like that's what we can learn from the old days. Hard work pays off. Yeah, good. Yeah. So then after 10, 20 years in the United States, that was in 1935. He would love to get back to Switzerland, but because he has spent most of his life, big part of his life in the United States, he became very American, but he was always homesick. 
was hoping to get home, but he married a Swiss woman whom she Gertrude Frankhausen, who was also working for the Swiss consulate, 35. And after the marriage, he was transferred to Palestine. Palestine was a very important mm-hmm. for him because he was very religious and he enjoyed the whole co- the landscape. He enjoyed the scenes with the camels and in Palestine at that time was the land of the Bible for him. So the first years he enjoyed that. But then World War II broke out and he had to take over the interests of the Germans. He did a very good job, and that helped him later in Budapest when he dealt with the Germans. In January 42, he was he and his wife were transferred to Budapest. Mm-hmm. As I told you, at that time, Budapest, the life there was still quite normal for people. Mm-hmm. You could go to the theater, you could go have a coffee at the Danube River in a nice cafe, and you could go to the, to the swimming pool and the thermal bath and everything. He made beautiful pictures of everything because he was a very gifted photographer, mm-hmm. modern photographer. Fortunately for us, because he left hundreds of photographs. But then for the Jews, life was also more or less normal. That it means that there were already restrictions, the restrictions at the university, the restrictions that they couldn't exercise some professions anymore. There were too many Jews in Hungary. Mm. <laughs> the, the population, there were about 10% of the population was Jewish of Hungary before the war. There were 800,000 Jews. Mm. After the war, 130,000 were left over. Life changed completely for the Jews and for the whole population after the German invasion on March 1944. Mm-hmm. Especially for the Jews, it was terrible. They lost their rights. They had to wear the yellow star. They were no more allowed to go to the street just for one hour. They could not do any shopping anymore. They couldn't get enough food. There are many restrictions, and especially their goods were confiscated. Their telephones, radios, everything was taken away. Oh. It was really terrible for the Jews, and Karl Lutz was the head of the Department of Foreign Interests. He represented the interests of 14 countries in war, among them Great Britain and the United States. Palestine was British mandate, under British mandate at that time, so emigration to Palestine was also one of his jobs. But he was sent to Hungary to rescue Jews, what he did later, but just emigration was even part of his job. And when uh, the Nazis entered Hungary, he still had the right to send 7,800 Jews legally to Palestine. Mm -hmm. But of course, times were changed. The final solution became very important, and Eichmann came to Budapest, the man who 
was in charge of the final solution. Karl mm. Lutz uh, dealt with, with, with him and with the Hungarian authorities, and he could arrange that these 7,800 people were accorded to him, that he, would, he was allowed to take them under his protection, that they were foreseen for emigration to Palestine. But emigration was not, not possible anymore at that time, because the borders were closed for Jews. Well, after the German invasion, hundreds of people came to the stand, stood on the street in front of the office of Karl Lutz, and their last hope was emigration to Palestine under the terrible circumstances. He was a religious man, and he felt that he had to do something for these people, hmm. and had to find a way which was in accordance with his job, because he was still an employee of the Swiss Consul. So he had to find something in connection with emigration to Palestine. He had found the solution. Jews who wanted to emigrate to Palestine would be taken under Swiss protection while waiting for the emigration. And all these thousand people, the names of thousand people were inscribed in a collective passport, Swiss passport. They were registered. He saw that this was enough, that, that tens of thousands of Jews needed help. Mm -hmm. And then he found a way to help them. Eichmann spoke of units, not of people. So he interpreted units as families, mm -hmm. and thus he could uh, increase the number of the people he took under protection by five or six. So we think he rescued about 50,000 people. Wow, that's amazing. So it shows that he had a big heart and that he wanted to help many people. That's really amazing. Yes, and you know, he risked his life and his career by doing this because this was not in accordance with this policy. Uh, sure. Yeah. You can imagine, staff consisted of 15 people, and that was not enough, of course. He needed much more help for, for such to issue so many certificates and to have all these passports made. And he did the, the emigration was done in cooperation with the Palestine office. Mm, okay. the, the British controlled emigration to Palestine. And so first he placed the office, the Palestine office, into the so-called glass house. And then he, he called it immigration office, also to the glass house. The glass house was a wonderful building, Bauhaus style in the built in the 30s, a spectacular white house, all the glass on the facade and inside colored glasses. It was the showroom of a glass manufacturer, Arthur Weiss, mm. a Jew who was no more allowed to exercise his profession. So he rented this house and about 150 people were there working there day and night. And then also the Jewish organizations were placed in, into this house. And the, and the glass house enjoyed diplomatic protection. Oh, it was like part of the, of the legation, of the Swiss legation, and that was a big advantage. And these uh, Jewish pioneers and Zionists 
they helped enormously by getting all, all the necess necessary documents for the protective papers mm -hmm. and for the passports and everything. They were enormous help, but on the other side, later on in fall, they started to print their own protective papers because uh, so many people who couldn't get the legal ones, but that's, that came much later. We are just in summer 44 now when the production, when these people were taken under protection and Carlos was also careful to number, when he increased the number to families, he was he took care that the numbers of the of the protective papers had were also only from one to seven thousand eight hundred, mm -hmm. and then he started in the hope that the Germans wouldn't discover what he did. Wow. Tell us your story, how you you endured those difficult times. Because I was a British subject, mm -hmm. I. And, and Karl Lutz was in charge of the interests of the British. My mother, when the, after the German invasion, my mother decided we had to see, look for protection and go to see Karl Lutz. Mm -hmm. We we lived very close to the American legation where Karl Lutz had his office. So I was six years old, and uh, we had the chance that we could get quite easily to the office of Karl Lutz. My mother was a beautiful woman, mm. 33 years old, and a real beautiful Hungarian woman. And Karl Lutz, who loved, he was empfänglich für Schönheit. He was open to beauty, and I'm sure your mother and you were very That's beautiful true. at that time. That's you still are. <laughs> with a big lash in my hair, yes. Oh, yeah. He gave. He said uh, he, of course, he would do something for us, but maybe he would like to do more for us than just to give us a protective paper. Ah. And he asked my mother to come back in two weeks. He will uh, speak with his wife and see what he can do. Yeah. And get back after two weeks, he said that uh, he would employ my mother as a housekeeper in his residence in Buda. Uh, his yeah. residence was the former British legation, a wonderful building in Buda, with a view to the Danube and Parliament and everything, had 50 rooms there. <gasps> it was. And we, we got a little apartment with my mother. In summer 1944, we moved there. Wow, that's a nice story, right? Wonderful <laughs> chance because we were in safety. We yeah. were together with the Swiss. In the first time, it was okay. It was life was more or less going on. At least for me, as a child, I didn't. Mm -hmm. I had no problems. There was another little boy of the the son of the chauffeur mm -hmm. who was playmate, and we. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, in November. The times changed. Mm -hmm. The bombardments were practically non-stop. In Buda, that was much worse than in Pest on the other side of the Danube. Buda, at the end of the war, Buda was in completely in ruins because the Germans had their headquarters in Buda, and there was 
was our military hospital just next to our house, underneath our house. After Christmas, 44, the bombardments were in, to an extent that we had to move to the bomb shelter. Mm. We couldn't come up anymore. There were 30 people there. Each of them on mattresses for me, two, two big chairs were put together. That was my bed. I was small. The Lutz family had beds and the others had, were on mattresses. And light and food. Mm -hmm. It was okay, but then for the 30 people, after a certain time, we had to be very careful and we, we had no daylight during hours and so yeah. on. We had, uh, there were, because war lasted much longer than it was foreseen. Right. We had to stay two months in the bomb shelter. And, we, and while we were in the bomb shelter, the house was hit by 20 bombs in January 45, yeah. and it burned completely down. Mm. It came up on February 18th, it was all in ruins. Uh -oh. And tell us about your birthday, because I think the last time when we met, you told me that story about your birthday, and we all know, like, kids, they like to have a special day, a cake, but how is it, Agnes, at seven years old, in the shell, heartwarming yeah. to hear that? I will never forget my, my seventh birthday on February 3rd, 1940. In the bomb shelter, we were already permanently in the bomb shelter, and Carl Lutz had saved some cocoa, uh, cacao for me. So they made a sort of cacao with water and canned milk, and especially he had also saved a box of Nestrovit. These were little white chocolates with mm. vitamins. And up to today, it's something very special. This chocolate is something very special to me. He was really wonderful that he, he tried to do his best. And I will never forget this birthday. A very special birthday. What an inspirational story. How was your birthday when you were seven? I'm sure you have many more questions for Agnes. You can find all the information of her interesting life in the show notes connect with her, ask more questions. In the next episode, we speak to her again in German, where she elaborates a little more. Do not forget, every Monday is Podcast Monday. Leave a comment, like our podcast. Thank you very much for chiming in.